What's up, guys? Wildy Noob 69 Boner Plots back again for another Tuesday recap podcast. This time we got Jay as a new addition to the podcast, so welcome, Jay. Thank um, you. Also, you're welcome. Um, also got Austin Hop and Colin as usual. I'm here. What's up, everybody? <laughs> I'm not happy about it, but I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Colin's having a hard time recovering from this loss. But, it's it's uh, a bad one. It's a yeah. one. We'll uh, we'll start it off with mine as always. So um, yeah, it's a tough one. You know, it was looking hot with Cooper Cup going in. Uh, a couple bad breaks. You know, Christian Kirk, Larry. I made the right decision there in terms of those two guys, but clearly my bench had uh, other ideas for me. Jordan Howard is a real tough situation, and uh, getting dunked on with forty points by a kicker in D is never fun. <laughs> um, you know, David, uh, you're the running back king. What do you what do you think of Jordan Howard going forward? He's got a bye this week, but do you think this was just a good game plan using Cohen, or do you think he's going to really start cutting into his uh, splits there? Because in the beginning of the season, we saw Howard catching passes, so it was a little unusual for him to just get carries and just get ten. Yeah, I do think it's going to be a recurring problem. I don't think Cohen's going to be outscoring Howard on a weekly basis, but I do think he'll be taking some touches. Um, I think it's going to be more of like a Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman type situation. Um, so I see, you know, somewhat of a committee, but I still think Howard's a better play week to week. Cool. Um, I'd be extremely worried about Jordan Howard at this point. I think that Tariq Cohen has really proven that. He's the more efficient guy in the backfield, and he's the one catching passes. So for fantasy, I think that he's really going to cut into Jordan Howard. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but this is one week, and Jordan Howard got five targets his first week. Uh, I think, yeah, four in his second week. He's been getting 15 or more carries every week, had 24 last week. So it's a really steep drop-off. It's a very weird game plan when you're up 30 at halftime to not bring out your power back. Um, but I think Matt Nagy may have just wanted to make a statement and Trubitsky wanted to show that he could pass when he needs to. Uh, you have any comments on that, Jay? Yeah, you think the positive game script would be like towards Howard getting more touches with a blowout loss than just running the ball out. But, I mean, obviously it turns out, yeah, they want to give Cohen the ball, show what they have with him. And that doesn't expect to continue probably. You know, Howard, they t- they've said, they said over and over again that they're going to give him more touches. And I've said that that's probably going to be more rushes and less passing attempts, but he's still going to be on – in on some third downs, and he'll have some game scripts ahead where they will be running the ball a lot because uh, they have some good pass defenses that they'll be facing. Yeah, definitely a good point. And, you know, it's crazy even looking at the split last week and the scores to see that Jordan Howard actually outsnapped Tariq Cohen by a decent margin. So it's just a, a tough game all around there. Um, it's a close one. At one point I was projected 170, so it had my uh, dick wiggling a little bit. But, of course, everybody <laughs> knows how my fantasy seasons go. Um, so if you guys have any other comments before we move on. I almost feel the need to apologize for this win, but I won't, considering you still had 37 points from Cooper Cup, but still couldn't put it down. Yeah, you know, that was, that's really what influenced my flex decision there with Ryan Grant. And I can't complain. He did exactly what I wanted. You know, you want to save 10 to 12 points, but I just had so much, much better uh, production on my bench there. It's tough to see, especially going 0-4. Um, but all right, we can move on to the next one. We got Jake and Kurt. Kind of same situation for Curtis last week. He put up a really solid score and just got narrowly, you know, beat in another 12-point loss here. And if you look, aside from one or two matchups, everybody was within, you know, 15 to 20 points here. So it was a real nail-biter week for a lot of us. Um, let's see. Mike Evans had a down week there. Juju, um, 
what do you guys think going forward um, with Garrett? Sorry, not Garrett. Jake's running back situation. Um, you know, Philip Lindsay and James White both in uh, committees, and James White, like we talked about in the group chat a little bit, has Edelman coming back, who plays that short passing role. Um, Jay, what do you think about this kind of running back situation here? Since you're the king of committees. Well, Garrett kind of called it that James Wade would have a good week, and that probably will continue even with Edelman back because obviously Brady loves Edelman as a target, but with no Burkhead, James Wade is definitely the superior and pretty much only target in the backfield. uh, Michelle got zero targets last game, and he's basically the rushing running back while they have White as a passing running back, and he definitely gets a lot of red zone touches too. And the Patriots know how to move the football more than anybody else in the league. Lindsey has proved himself over and over again, coming off a week where there's a bunch of question marks because he didn't wouldn't know if they'd like kind of punish him <laughs> off of his quick first quarter, uh, uh, like yeah. uh, getting out of the game last week. But you know, he did bounce back, and Kittle obviously proved himself. I think Jake's got some running backs, and um, his tight end situation kind of backs him up as well. Um, Marlon Mack, obviously, nothing coming from him. His injuries, I don't know, that whole high-end situation. Indy's backfield, they don't run the ball at all even anyway. But, yeah, if you look at opposite, uh, Kurt, you know, you guys were saying last week Melvin Gordon was going to go off. Obviously, he did. Caron Johnson, definitely, he's dominating that backfield. So, Kurt's definitely got uh, good plays at the running back permanently, too. Yeah, definitely a good point. And, uh, yeah, we did kind of last week also call the uh, Corey Davis thing a little bit with Rashard Matthews going out. That really seemed to have a big impact. Uh, what do you think, Hop? Do you think that seems to be a permanent thing going forward? Or do you think Taewon Taylor might eat in? Or this was just kind of a good game in a situation where they had to throw a lot? Uh, I think Corey Davis has proven himself to be the superior wide receiver on the team talent-wise. Um, they, it's just a kind of offense where they like to spread it out a little bit. So that's a little concerning, but I think that you can trust Corey Davis and his, his potential. And eventually he'll prove that he is the guy that they should be throwing to you every time. Cool. David, do you have anything to say about this matchup? Um, yeah, I think the only thing I want to bring up is, um, I think the biggest thing down the road for Jake's team is going to be Le'Veon Bell. Um, it seems like he's coming back after the bye week, uh, for week seven, so it remains to be seen how the Steelers want to use him. If they take an approach where this guy's leaving anyways, let's run him into the ground. Jake's team's pretty scary. Yeah, I've heard Bell's still on the block too for the Steelers. Someone like a team like the Jets might land him still or something. So Bell could still have a great situation even before Week Seven. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's tough with that situation though because they basically they can't whoever were to, would would draft for him or sorry not draft for him, whoever would trade for him can't sign him onto a contract until the end of the year. So they're basically whatever they're giving up in a trade would be for a half season rent a player who's been on vacation and the Steelers want, you know, a solid player in a second round pick or some absurd amount for a half a season remaining, you know, franchise tag contract on him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe if a team can just give him a hard commitment beforehand, if somehow, um, but it, with the tweet, too, it, it seemed like it was one report from a guy on Twitter. Has that been confirmed? Has Le'Veon said anything about coming back? Because as we just saw with the big injury in Seattle, it might. There, there's a reason they do hold out. Do you guys know anything further on that so far? Um, I don't know. I'm just reading on it now. And uh, apparently Mike Tomlin said he hasn't talked to Le'Veon at all, so that's not a good sign. Um, so I'm not sure, actually, to be honest. Right. It seems potentially promising, but you don't want to jump the gun there and start planning your team around having that talent coming back, you know. So it's it's a really tough situation. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, 
All right. Well, if we can move on to the next one, then um, we got Jay and James again. Another twelve-point victory here. He had to obviously be sweating going into the matchup last night with Mahomes and seeing what he could do. Golden Tate really is kind of the deciding factor this week with those two touchdowns. Um, Rivers doing what Rivers does gives you a solid week every week, and you kind of survive the running back troubles this week. Um, Jay, what do you think about LaShawn McCoy on the other side of this matchup going forward? And I'll talk about him a little bit later in the segment we're going to do. But uh, what's your outlook on his rest of the season just with Buffalo's you know, offensive woes here and his lack of touches? Yeah, it's definitely easy to look down upon him, and he's got all these injury problems going forward. I think, though, I mean, Josh Allen is not somebody that they want to put the ball in his hands 50 times a game. They're going to be running the ball, and they're going to be checking the ball down a lot, and maybe just didn't work out this game. They're trying different things out, but going forward, they're going to have to give him the ball, and I mean, if James maybe has given up on him, I think somebody could maybe get him for cheap trading-wise. Um, but he's not somebody I would completely give up on. Uh, despite his injury woes, he's definitely someone that can still produce, and you just got to get the ball more. I mean, it's something that there's no excuse for them only giving him 29 touches over the last three games. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Hopper, David, do you have anything comment on that or any other comments on this matchup? Yeah, I'll just speak about, about Gronk a little bit. I, I noticed that he's just been – really underperforming and it's hard at getting a tight end this year that will actually carry your team or give you some kind of advantage. You'd expect Kronk to be the one guy, but I think that's been a real big letdown and it was probably an expensive draft pick for him. So that's probably something that's hurting James' team a lot. Yeah, definitely. David? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up, Pop. That was going to be literally the first thing I brought up. Like you, When you spend that much draft capital, um, you expect to get more return than what Gronk's been throwing up with the – you know, aside from the week one play. Um, so that's definitely what's hurting James' team right now. I'm not a huge fan of his kicker defense um, either. And then, you know, Mahomes can only be a superhero for so long. He looks really solid, but when 23 points is almost considered a letdown here, um, like I said, he can only be a superhero for so long. So I think for James' team, he should be all right. Um, I think a lot hinges on LaShawn McCoy and and Gronk, like you guys already touched on. Yeah, cool. I agree. Yeah, and one more thing I'll add to the matchup. Um, this one on Jay's team here is it's starting to look like, you know, one of the best receiving cores in the league. Um, like Collins and Allen combined put up 15 points, which is a floor of a lot of, you know, running backs by themselves. But that was carried by, you know, what's starting to look like the best receiving core in the league. I just hope I can keep my running backs and tight ends up to par, give me some points to scrap for, because that's what I was going for this year. Uh, It was a lot of target um, and high four receivers um, and try to match a couple running backs together and maybe a tight end each week uh, for a couple points instead of scrapping together receivers. But we'll see if it works. Yeah, I mean, that kind of zero RB strategy has definitely been popular the last few years just with how strong a lot of receivers have been. Um, you know, Marshawn was like a big zero RB strategy target for a lot of people this year. He's a guy I wish I could have gotten to, and I'm sure you were looking at him, and he's really been, like, outproducing his draft capital. Um, but, yeah, it's it's one of those strategies where you really got to play it right, but it can be really profitable. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one then. We got Andrew 
versus Garrett here. Garrett showing us what he can do with his team yet again and getting a well-deserved win. <laughs> Glad to see him not losing uh, with a score of 179 to 185 or some bullshit like we've seen lately. Um, Andrew, I, the real deciding factor here compared to the last few weeks is the Breeze and Michael Thomas stack yep. not coming through. Yep. Um, you know, Amari Cooper showed what he's capable of every other week or when you think he's not going to go off. And then Garrish just has a lot of depth. The Tyler Boyd, we've said it a couple times now, awesome pick up there. John Brown has been really outproducing his expectations. Um, even with Demaryius Thomas putting up a dud there, he scored a massive score this week. Um, Hop, what do you think about Drew Brees and Mike Thomas? Do you think that this is kind of them regressing towards you know the mean, especially with uh, Mark Ingram coming back as well, I should add? Um, or do you think this was just kind of like one of those games that happens every once in a while? It's an outdoor game, which Breeze has historically not done as well. And uh, what do you think is kind of going on here? Well, I think that that's the, the story of this matchup, to be honest. I, I think that I love Andrew's team, and especially when that Breeze-Thomas connection hits, it's just that's why his team is so good. It just wasn't this week. And that's what happens when you put um, all your eggs in one basket. And sometimes because, you know, Either they both go off or they both stink. So I guess this is the week that they stunk. Uh, I was actually at this game in person, and um, and I just just by game script you could tell that um, the Saints just wanted to run the ball, and they were up, and they just felt comfortable with Kamara just pounding them. So that's what happened. Do you think this is uh, something we're going to see a little bit more with Ingram coming back, or do you think that they're going to stick to the passing success that they've had? I think that they're they're going to stick with it. I think this is not like the norm. This is just one of the, this is just one time that the Breeze Thomas connection wasn't there, and, and since he has both, that just really hurt his team. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jay, do you have anything to add there? Um, well, they have a couple outdoor games. Um, I mean, since you later and then down Tampa. I mean, they're going to run the ball, but they know they can pass to Ingram too. And their passing game is lethal. They do have some dome games as well. So Thomas and Breeze will go off eventually. Michelle, that was kind of what we're gonna the games we're gonna see from him. Um, hundred yards is maybe iffy, but like definitely the rushing touchdown. Uh, he'll get that pretty much a lot of games. And McDonald, expect more from him. Um, the Jesse James just kind of is gonna fall off. Looks like, and McDonald's the guy there. And Andrews definitely got a bunch of depth. So he's got, he's he'll be good for sure. Cool, yeah, David. You uh, you were an Amari Cooper owner last year, right? Yeah, um, yeah. What do you think about him going or this season? I mean, he's shown two games under twenty yards and then two massive games. Um, how, how do you see his rest of season going? Yeah, I mean, he's gonna still keep being a headache. It's the exact same shit as last season. He would go two points, thirty points, two points, thirty points, two points, thirty points. I probably yeah, I'd probably <laughs> probably see that continuing. Honestly. Um, while the Raiders have less options in the passing game this year than they've had in years past, they're just more of a garbage team at the same time. So I think he'll just have dud weeks like you've seen um, and then also go off like you've seen. Luckily, Andrew's team can usually sustain that. Um, that being said, you know, you can't sustain it when Breeze and Thomas have a dud week too. So. I don't know. It's frustrating, but I think if anyone's team can make it work, it's probably Andrews. It's yeah. Ty still get a lot of targets, and it just thinks that like Martavis Bryant is a huge part of Oakland's offense now too. Yeah, Cooper. going forward this week though, um, it looks like Ty is going to be out. They have a short week uh, with a Thursday night game, and he's coming up with yeah, uh, 
hamstring injury and he's not practicing today or yesterday. So it's looking like he's going to be out, which could be another tough week for Andrew. But starting off 3-0, and he can handle it if he does end up with another loss. Yeah. Um, all right, we can move on to the next one then. We got the newly named Trash Gordon versus uh, David himself. So, um, I mean, George's team, it's really tough with these injuries. So bad. What is happening with his running backs? I mean, it's it's – I feel bad for him. I'm kind of feeling some of the same issues with, you know, Devonta Freeman and stuff, but Leonard Fournette, at least the, the part that I'm where I'm benefiting from is Devonta Freeman is actually out. So I can make that decision. Whereas Fournette, they just tricked him again this week where they put him in. He was hurt again. He came back out and now he's going to be without him for, you know, another few weeks at least. So it's going to be a really tough situation for him going forward. I mean, Zeke really helped save your team from Delvin cook and Godwin shit in their pants, Dave. So, um, Jay, what do you think about George's team going forward? We've kind of been talking about this every week. Um, I mean, he's got the talent. He's got the names. It's just every week it seems to just fall through the cracks for him. So what do you think? It's tough because, yeah, his receivers are kind of bust or boom. You know, Callaway and Marvin Jones both could put up huge numbers, but could also put up duds. Omar Miller, we all know he's capable of 10 to 15, but absolutely nothing outside of that. Um, unless he gets hurt or something like or blows like he did this game. Uh, and then I think Kenyon Drake still got some redemption, redeemable um, like future, you know, kind of, I don't know, the two offensive linemen they're missing should help him. They should probably run less and they'll be passing more. They'll be desperate. They'll be losing games a lot and checking down a lot. Um, so I don't think he's over. And then just D.D. Westbrook's consistency is killing him. Yeah, definitely. It's tough to see that score on the bench. Um, David, do you have any comments on your matchup? Yeah, um, I think to start with George's team before moving to mine, um, I don't know. The thing about with Fournette, even though this week it was, uh, you know, he kind of got blue balls, he doesn't have Yeldon. Like, you, if you have a running back like that and you're getting injured a lot, it's pretty bad not to own Yeldon as a fantasy owner. Um, so that's, I think, one thing that's just going to absolutely destroy George. Um, other than that, I think you guys touched on things pretty well. Um, he had some dud weeks from the rest of his team. But, um, yeah, I think the the Yeldon handcuff is what's going to ultimately be George's hand, uh, you know, downfall this season. And then yeah. moving on to my team, um, Andrew Locke obviously put up a huge week. Um, I, it's pretty tough. Indianapolis has literally no running game. Um, it's pretty pathetic. I think Le'Veon Bell should actually go there and fix their team a little bit because, you know, when you're getting a loss and putting up 500 yards and four passing touchdowns, it's pretty tough. Um, but that's not, you know, fantasy related. So I'll move on. I think Anunwa is doing the same thing he's done all year, putting up 10 to 15 points, you know, decent, you know, pretty good floor and pretty low ceiling. It's just what we'd expect. Um, Godwin threw up a dud week. I'm not too worried about it because um, it's looking like Doug Baldwin is back and the go-to guy again. A little bit worried about Zeke being questionable, but he should bounce back. And then I think Dalvin Cook is the big one where I had a lot more draft capital in him and a lot more high hopes for him um, than what he's done this season. Um, that being said, I'm you know, in the position where I can leave him on my bench, so I feel okay about that. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I don't know how I'm just seeing now that Jared Cook put up 31 fucking points. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, with the 
Jared Cook situation, though, I can see that happening again. I mean, he's put up a really, really solid floor each week in terms of um, the amount of targets he's getting from Derek Carr. Um, so obviously the touchdowns are, you know, not going to happen every week. But in terms of consistency for fantasy, he's looking like he's, you know, about to pay off with that huge amount of um, free agent money that I spent on him um, after week one. It's looking like, you know, he might be a pretty safe floor where tight ends are, are pretty scarce this season. Yeah, definitely. Happy have anything to add? Uh, just want to gauge your temperature on Dalvin Cook, David. See what is your, what are your thoughts on him going forward? Are you are you giving up or are you okay with him? No, I'm not giving up. I actually think he'll bounce back and have a pretty good year. That being said, I'm probably going to be starting Brita, McCaffrey, and Zeke as my three running backs, and leaving Dalvin Cook on the bench until he proves that he's healthy and you know can take more of the workload. Pretty weird game script last week too for Minnesota. Um, in not throwing him the ball at all. He had literally zero targets in a game in which they lost. So that's pretty weird on their part as well. So I'm not giving up on him, but I won't be starting him probably. All right. um, And before we move on to the final matchup, we have some breaking news as we're recording. Um, Big trade going down between James and Andrew where they're swapping Stephon Diggs for Marshawn Lynch. Wow. That confirmed? Uh, it's wait. Yes, they they approved it. They're waiting for my approval. Um, I, I think that's a fair swap for teams based on team needs and production. They're both pretty much twenty point um, consistent producers no, in their position. Garbage. So, what what you don't think so? Why garbage? I don't I don't think Lynch is good. Like he's been putting up crazy numbers, but I don't think that's going to continue. And Diggs is looking like the go to guy there. I mean, I. I don't know. I don't like that trade. For, well, for a team that doesn't have a, a really startable running back, I think Marshawn puts up a really solid floor every week. And he's catching passes, which is ridiculous. And he's putting out like 10 yards a catch. I mean, what more do you want from him right now? They're limiting his practice reps. They don't 25 carries a game. But I, I think he's going to be a really solid producer. Yeah, but at the same time, I think it devastates James' team. Like, who's he going to swap in? Just counting on Deshaun Jackson being an every week player? Like, no, I, I, don't, I don't think you just... get back what you're, you're putting in. In. I just I don't know. I think this is going to be James' downfall. Um, I mean, I think between Geronimo Allison and Devin Funchess, week to week, you can play matchups there. I mean, Allison, I think, is going to be a really solid producer. Cobb hasn't been doing much. He's injured, and Allison's shown what he can do as the number two, um, especially when you get matchups where uh, Devontae Adams is going to be shadow-covered by some lockdown corners. I think he's going to be a really solid and dependable wide receiver three there. Um, he's basically going to rely on Galladay and Woods' as big play production along with a third receiver there and then have a really solid running back core. Andrew's team just went from scary to scarier though. I mean, he's got Breeze, Thomas, and he has those guys can all explode plus digs. He's, he can go for 30 any week. I mean, a shell on the bench now too. He doesn't even need him. Yeah. I need him hundred percent. Yeah. I think Andrew wins this trade. Yeah, I mean, it, somebody has to win every trade, but I do think it benefits both teams, and that's kind of the stuff you're going to see as the season goes on with more and more injuries is that people are going to have to give up value to get playable pieces, you know. You can, yeah, it feels you, like James has just given up on David Johnson. but uh, Well, with LaShawn McCoy injured and not producing, I can see needing somebody week to week, especially when you lose a game by 12 points. Um, it, it kind of puts you in a position where you need to really start upping your consistent production each week so I don't have a problem with it I'm gonna go out there and say that I I don't I'm not as certain that 
um, that Andrew got the better end of this trade. I do think that Andrew's team improved a lot based on this, but I, don't, I think that Marshawn and Steph, Stephon Diggs is actually like a pretty even trade. I think Marshawn's better than we're saying he is, but um, well, Marshawn really I think has that competition for touches, yeah. whereas Diggs has Thielen right there, and Kirk loves Thielen. Yeah, so I mean, I actually think it's a pretty even trade. It's just that Andrew didn't even need Marshawn, and now his team just got better. Right. Just, I think you're just giving up Diggs' boom potential for some consistent 15 point weeks out of your running back. Um, Doug Martin and Rashard also steal touches from Lynch, but I mean, he not really. Get a lot of not not so enough to be significant, not, I think. All right. Well, yeah, we'll I just. Moving. Or, go ahead, Dave. Yeah, I mean, just last comment. I just don't know how it helps. James's team to further harp on the point like you're giving up one of your biggest boom players um for a guy who sure he has a safe floor even if it is 15 points like who else on James's team is going to boom on a week-to-week basis and if you don't have you know at least one player who goes off um you don't you don't win games well James has Robert Woods who can boom and Kenny Galladay has shown multi-touchdown potential there he's a really solid player either those guys can go off and between I get Allison and Funches with the one or two of those guys being on your bench each week, you're not going to get those 15 to 20 points there. Uh, meanwhile, LaShawn is thinking up your running back spot. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would trade up, you know, 10 points of potential at wide receiver to get, you know, 10 points of running back if I have more options on my bench for a receiver. I can, I can see that. Or 50, yeah. 15 points from your receiver to get 10 on your running back, I should say, if you're thinking it's a downgrade. It's, yeah, all, about, it's all about how much you can fit into a lineup each week. Yeah, no, that's true. That's a good point, actually. It might boost his team. Um, all right, yeah, uh, and we'll move on to the last matchup then. Another really tough loss here. What is it, six and a half points? Um, we got Manny versus Joe. Odell Beckham really kind of – I mean, Ted Ginn putting up one point – or point one points is kind of the difference here, but you got to hope that oh, even in those situations, a guy like Odell can put up enough points to cover your loss there. Um, and then the Minnesota D, that was also kind of the, the worst move here. Where I really think Manny lost himself the week. Um, you, you just cannot play anybody against the Rams here. Um, Gio Bernard, I think, has really been really good for Manny's team. But going forward, uh, having to replace him is going to give him some more headaches. So he really kind of needed this win while he had the pieces. Um, Dave, what do you think of uh, Antonio Brown going forward? Because he's kind of... I mean, he's still put up really solid scores, but he hasn't been the Antonio Brown we've come to know in the past few seasons. Uh, yeah, I'm not too worried about AB, to be honest. Um, the whole you know Pittsburgh Steelers team is just struggling, um, and I think AB is still putting up like his worst game this year is you know 15.7, even among the Steelers' struggles. So I'm not as worried about it as I think a lot of other people are. Right, and what do you think about Calvin Ridley? Do you think he's going to keep up this production? Um, I mean, even even with his two touchdowns, Julio outscored him in PPR. And there was a Twitter poll, I forget who put it out, but that uh, asked who would you rather have going forward, Calvin Ridley or Julio, and 54% of people said Calvin Ridley, which is ridiculous. And you have to think some no. of those people are trolling, but that uh, people are, I think, overplaying Ridley. I think he's really talented, but uh, what do you think about this kind of production going forward? Yeah, I think he's a good player. I think he's going to continue to put up good scores, but you know, maybe more to the tune of 12 or 13 points. I don't think this type of production continues. You got Julio Jones on your team who's, you know, one of the biggest, most talented wide receivers in the league. Um so they they're, you know, unless Julio Jones get a gets a huge injury, I think Calvin Ridley would be a solid player, but he's he's not going to be better than Jones. Um yeah. and then I mean, just to like further go down the matchup um, 
Ted Ginn, I don't think is a good start week to week. Gio Bernard going down or not going down, but um, Mixon coming back. It's going to be really tough for Manny. Um, and then, you know, I think he's in a good spot with, you know, Alshon coming back because I think he'll be a little bit safer of a play than Aguilar week to week. But, I mean, if you can't fill your third wide receiver and second running back slot, I think you're in a world of trouble. He does have Edelman coming back also, just remember that. So the oh, third... yep, nope, good point. So he should be good on the receiver front then if you know, the Patriots still love Edelman. Yep. Um, He's going to have to figure out the Aaron Jones and Montgomery situation, but he should have a playable option between the two of them every week. And just Clement, Clement, you know, with Ajahi's knees, you never know. He could be a good play. Sproles is always hurt too. And back to the Ridley thing real quick, Julio's presence – helps Ridley for sure because he attracts the number one corner and Sanu gets a lot of attention too. Ridley's still kind of first year guy, only four guys under four games. Yeah, under that's true. As far as film, as far as films, just not a lot to figure out about him. He can just get by defenses and there's other guys in their field to focus on. And with their lack of losing the guard for the season and a lot of defenders for the season, they're going to be pass, pass, pass all year. Yep. Good point. Hop, do you have anything to add? I think we covered it all. Yeah. Yeah, really tight matchup. I mean, it's not like there was any real blowouts. You know, the Ted Ginn move sucked. It was kind of counteracted by O.J. Howard getting injured. But, I mean, the defensive play here really kind of cost Manny the week. I mean, you never know what can happen. Um, but you got to shy away from that Rams offense. I mean, there's nothing that says otherwise so far that we've seen. Um, but, all right, if you guys are good with that, then we can move on to the – segment that we're going to do this week um every one of us is going to pick one player not on our team that we've given up on rest of season and not necessarily droppable but just given up on consistent production um and we'll talk about that and then we'll each also select one player who has really underperformed but that we think going forward is still promising and should be held on to um so i'll start like i kind of alluded to earlier my player is LaShawn mccoy that i've given up on and i this isn't again I don't think he's droppable because somebody will pick him up and he'll inevitably have a big week but I I think his status as a plug and play guy who you can just rely on every week is is done Um, he's old he's kind of hit that 3,000 carries career-wise mark that seems to really start the downward spiral for a lot of running backs and I I think he's gonna if you play the matchups he's gonna have blow-up weeks but I just don't really think he has what it takes to get it done and the Buffalo offense, you'd think they would be checking down to him, but they don't seem to be able to put anything together now. Um, so going forward, I think he's a guy you put on your bench and in a tight week or a really good matchup you can play. Um, Hop, you want to go next with your guy you're giving up on? Um, so the guy I'm going to give up on is Marvin Jones. And I think I'm giving up on him relative to where he was drafted and, and what his potential was. I mean, last year he was – um, wide receiver 11 on the year, I believe. So he's really up there. And the Wait, problem that I have wide receiver? He's a top 12. He's, he's a wide receiver one. Um, <laughs> and the problem I have with him is if you look at the first four games of the season, he has 15 targets and Kenny Galladay has 32 and Golden Tate has 44. So he's just so far below that. And he's just not getting the attention that he needs in order to to meet his potential. So I think that's really scaring me, and he's really going to hurt some fantasy teams out there. The one thing I'll give it to him is that the depth of his targets are, are so much larger than all the other receivers on the team that I think that's really going to help him out. But if he's only getting less than half 
the targets of even the next guy above him um, is just not reliable at all. Yeah, definitely a good point. Um, Jay, you want to go next? Uh, sure. Uh, also on that team, I give up on Theo Riddick. Carry uh, on Johnson, that rookie's emerged as their red zone back and prime back. And I mean, one gets red zone touches too. They want to force it in with him. But Riddick is just an occasional passing check down guy. We know Stafford doesn't like to check down much. So he's a down the field looking guy and it doesn't look like Theo Riddick's going to be playable except for maybe a couple weeks here and there. Um, James should be fine with him. He's got some running back depth now. Uh, actually. Just lost some running back depth, but no, wait, sorry, he lost digs. He's got more running back depth. My bad. Um, so he should be fine, but yeah, I just think he's almost droppable. Cool, uh, David, you want to go next? Yep. Um, so I'm giving up on Larry Fitzgerald. Um, sorry, Colin. I honestly, I think it is more a product of the team than the player he could be. I think if you plug Larry into you know, a, a good offense. I think he still has the capability to produce just because he's still got the best hands in the league. But that being said, Arizona's just so bad that I don't see him being productive this year. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think he's still got the talent. He keeps himself in good shape. But until that offense turns it around, it's hard to rely on him as you know, anything outside of flex option and a good matchup. All right. Um, unless anybody wants to argue any of those, we'll move on to the guys that we still have hope for going forward. Um, so I'll start it again. I, I still am holding out for Kenyon Drake. And, you know, mm-hmm. before I say anything, he was a guy before the draft. I was avoiding him based on just Miami as an offense and his previous touch totals. But I still think with his talent and what he showed last year, if you give him 10 to 15 touches, um, he can be a, a real fantasy starter, maybe a RB2 or a flex. But it really comes down to coaching. I mean, Adam Gase just refuses to go away from Frank Gore. Um, and, I mean, Kenyon Drake had three carries last week. And, and I was kind of saying to, I think, Garrett earlier today that the 3-0 and start for the Dolphins is kind of the worst thing that could have happened for their offense because, um, you know, Vegas makes odds on everything. And their coaches that were most likely to get fired first this season, uh, it was Bill O'Brien and I think Adam Gase is the second coach. And this 3-0 and win has kind of – kept his job alive when he really should be fired. Miami's running 40 uh, in the forties in terms of plays per week, offensive plays per week on average, which is abysmally low and by far the lowest in the league. So I think if there can be some kind of coaching turnaround or Adam Gase just gets sense, Kenyon Drake actually still has some potential to be useful on a team. Um, Hop, you want to go next? Sure. Um, Guy, guy, I like, is actually more broad. I'm just going to go with the Redskins' backfield in general. And I know there's been some question marks there. Um, there's been, you know, sometimes you see Adrian Peterson, he'll have, like, a, a low game, or you'll see the same with Chris Thompson. But between the two of them, I'd be comfortable playing both, and you're going to get a blow-up game and a lot of points from at least one um, on a week-to-week basis. And there's not many receivers are throwing to they're really just using those running backs and i think it's a great position if you're going to pick one committee to buy into that's the one i would i would buy into all right um jay what do you got hello jay? yeah jay oh you yeah. cut off for a second oh okay you can hear me all right um yeah. chris hogan for me i still believe in him i think People think Edelman coming back will hurt his already um, downward-looking season, but 
it's actually going to help him because Hogan's been playing the slot, and that's not something he's been comfortable with his career. Uh, they've thrown Burkhead in there and White even in the slot, but when Edelman's going to be in the slot, Hogan will be back uh, as a wideout, and Josh Gordon um, will kind of take away some good corners and attention away from Hogan. Hogan, Hogan will get those tar- red zone targets again. Uh, he'll attract those away from Gronk again, just like last year, and he'll get, uh, I think, 10, 15 targets a game even, and scoring 15 a game again. Cool. All right, Dave, finish it up. Yeah, uh, I'm going with Marquise Goodwin. Uh, it's definitely hometown bias here for the 49ers. That being said, CJ looked pretty comfortable and pretty good in at quarterback. Um, he was definitely not the reason we lost that, you know, nail biter game by two points. Um, he played pretty well. And while I still think George Kittle, and I've kind of said this all year, I still think he's the top guy um, to own as a receiver um, in, you know, from the 49ers. Um, well, he's a tight end, but I mean, as a receiving player, I still right. think Marquise Goodwin is is going to have a good year. Um, he's coming back from his injuries. He's been a little bit hobbled, but once he gets comfortable and once he makes a connection with CJ, I think he's the, the go-to guy. Cool. All right. Uh, unless any of you guys want to argue that or any of those points, I think we can uh, wrap it up for the Tuesday podcast. Yeah, Jay, I think we could work something out with a trade. We can have Chris Hogan off my team, and I think we should discuss. Oh, the trade guy's back. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty comfortable with my receivers, to be honest. Yeah, right, we can talk, talk. that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Um, unless then you guys have any closing comments, uh, we'll end it here. Um, uh, I'd love to actually throw out that and defend my tight end theory. It's been okay. a good la- It's a good laugh every week, I, I admit. Um, but I just want to defend what I was saying, you know. Basically, uh, it's obviously a good idea to have tight end depth. We all know, even if you have a tight end one, like top three guys, Kelsey, Gronk, uh, this year, Burton, even Jared Cook has emerged as a reliable um, tight end one. But, you know, other than that, you need a backup tight end and potentially matchups. Uh, you need to be switching your tight ends every week. But I'm haunted by last year. I went pretty much, oh, I think, 0-15 deciding between my two tight ends, Jared Cook oh, and man. Jack Doyle. So I literally don't even want a tight end on my bench to see blow up and do better <laughs> than the tight end I started and I'm comfortable throwing in some waiver money every week or every other week, whatever, to figure out a tight end. Um, but, yeah, I'm still in the market trying to trade for a tight end one, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, top and I understand being haunted by your past for sure. Um, yeah. But well, it's so just my situation. The reason I was picking on David, obviously, was that, I mean, Jerry Cook was the centerpiece of my uh, disaster last year. And me lose, uh, dropping Eifert was because there was three tight ends that they were – uh, sharing all targets, and he wasn't getting the red zone targets I was hoping for. Uh, yeah. So when Eifert started to actually blow up on your bench, I was like, okay, good luck deciding between him and Cook, you know, because you're going to make me want to start Eifert, and then he's going to dud because there's three tight ends there. And so, yeah, that's just why I was kind of picking on you and kind of just defending my situation. <laughs> it sucks. So Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not going to have depth for too much longer because two out of the three tight ends I've picked up have broken their ankles, so. <laughs> well, Olsen is definitely a good stash, so we'll see. He's apparently ahead of track. Um, ahead of his, yeah, on track, ahead of his time. Whatever. I'm high. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, that's a good place to end it. Uh, thanks, guys, for coming. Glad to see Jay joining in. I hope we get a couple more of you guys. Yeah. Uh, you guys on Thursday. Love the participation from, from new people in the group. So thanks, Jay. Absolutely. Let's get everybody on this. Glad to be participating.